0: you know what that music means it is sunday morning and you are listening to triple h 100.1 fm and stay in the loop with lucy if you haven't joined us before this is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences their decision making the consequences the good the bad and the sometimes a little bit ugly and regardless of age their innate wisdom by discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving, and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. We launched the Hornsby Coringai International Women's Festival on Friday. It was a monster day with the launch. Um, At the PCYC, the Fusion Pinterest group, the Embracing Menopause and two Pamper Nights, one with Studio Arts and uh, one Mother Daughter Night with YBU and Feed You First. Yesterday, the Hornsby-Kurangai Community College jumped in and had a special Pilates class. And then again, YBU and Feed You First teamed up again to address women and their relationship with overwhelm. Small disclaimer there, YBU is my company, so I've had a lot of fun this week. The adventures continue with a three part show today. Two parts International Women's Day. My first one with councillor Nathan Tilbury and his beautiful daughter Eloisa who happens to have joined us in the studio. Let's say a quick hello. Good morning. Well, I'm so blessed to be joined um, with them. And then a little bit later, we're going to be joined by Councillor Janelle McIntosh. And also, le- much later, the last part of the show, we'll have Steve Plain live midway through his challenge to climb seven of the highest peaks in the world in four months, who just happens to have thrown in an extra one, Mount Kosciuszko for Rotary. But more on that later. Now, Nathan, a massive supporter of Triple H. I have seen you at so many of our outside broadcasts just popping down to say hi, to appreciate the volunteers who make it happen and just to be um, part of what we do here is enormously imported by, uh, uh, appreciated by the people at Triple H. So, first of all, on behalf of all us, I say thank you for that.
1: No, pleasure, pleasure.
0: And now, from a local politics, politics perspective... Nathan was our deputy mayor under the last mayor, Steve Russell. That's right, yes?
1: Uh, at the last council term, that's correct. The yeah. last council when term. Steve was mayor.
0: OK, yes, I'm on my L plates. That's maybe okay. maybe P plates by now. Um, what you achieved in your first term of council was really awesome and now you're in your second term and you seem just as enthusiastic as the first, which is an absolute blessing. So what made you want to get into politics in the first place?
1: Well, that's that's an interesting question. I'm not a political beast as such, but uh, I was running the local uh, cricket association and it was a time when Hornsby Council was going through a lot of cost-cutting and uh, they proposed to dig up two turf cricket pitches, uh, which is very important for the cricket development for younger cricketers. And uh, I got together the cricket community. We come up with an alternative proposal that would have saved the council the money they were looking for, but also retain at least one and possibly the two of the cricket pitches they were proposing to take out. <coughs> and um, unfortunately, uh, they ploughed ahead with their plans just to rip them out. And uh, uh, at the time, I was uh, Matt Keane's cricket captain, mm-hmm. actually. He was he was playing at my club at Barara. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt kept saying, oh, you've got to run for council, you got to run for council. And I just said, well, no, I've got a job and Mm. it's not something I'm interested in. But when that decision was made at council, um, I felt it was uh, very unjust. I felt we weren't listened to. Yeah. Um, So I thought I would put my hand up and and try and jump the other side of the fence and see what I could do.
0: I love that because you realised you needed to be part of the change that as much as we, and, you know, as a a private citizen, I probably sit there and go, why aren't they listening? But you're, you're now on the inside and that's – now that explains everything about why you interact with the groups that you do.
1: And I guess that, that's important. I mean, now I am on that side of the fence. Mm. I understand both sides of, of the argument, not just that yeah. particular side that was affecting me. And, uh, you know, that that's really important. Um, and I, I really obviously make sure that with any issue on council that I do – understand both sides of the argument, not just listen to one and think, that sounds right, that's yeah. what I'm going to
0: do. Yeah. Uh, having that experience and that understanding of both sides, it makes, it makes me realise how little we want to see the other side when we really, really, really want we want to happen. And you know, that's natural. Yes. So there is just that bit sometimes of if perhaps you it had been explained to you, the other side and why the decision had been made the way it was, we come back to that age-old thing of communication is is so vital because actually it does help people understand, ensure they have been listened to, and met and understood, etc.
1: Yeah, and and there obviously are big decisions and difficult decisions that that council has to make, mm. and I oh, as a councillor have to make that decision. And and, and the point you make, it's you, very important that you bring the community with you, Um and so they feel like they're being um, heard. And you, you tweak a decision, yeah, and uh, uh, and that way, I think you get a better decision.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, have you enjoyed it?
1: Look, it has been enjoyable. Um, you know, politics can be quite confronting sometimes. That doesn't bother me. Or, um, you know, I've been involved in um, a lot of community groups, which can also be quite confronting. Yes. And that's just this, you know, uh, path of the course. Uh, but it's really um, enjoyable and rewarding when you when you get some results. Hmm. And uh, we did uh, a lot of really good things. I got the main road in in Barara curbed and gutted, which we've been waiting 110 years for. Um, We managed to upgrade a a number of um, sporting facilities that have been crying out for that down at Marina Street, again at Barara. Um, I managed to change a couple of policies such as uh, shade over artificial shade sales uh, now being considered as policy over children's parks and inclusive play uh, is now considered in all new and upgraded uh, kids parks across the Shire. Um, So look, when you have those little wins, that that really makes it rewarding. And it's important that you celebrate those wins because there are lots of um, um, bumps in the road and rough times along the way. So you need to take time to celebrate the winds, even if they're small ones.
0: And also I've noticed, I mean, you say 100, 110 years to get curbs and pavements. When you think that some of the policies that need to be put in place might not happen in your lifetime, but it doesn't mean you don't bother laying the foundation for the next generation or the, the you know, however long it's going to take, if you sow that seed it will just germinate until the the person such as you comes along and says, right, we can action this now because the the time is right.
2: Yeah,
1: that's right. And and you've got to start somewhere. Mm. Um, And one of the reasons I was really keen to run around again in this term is that um, there are another number of big projects that we started last term, such as the Wesley land that we purchased off the water board. It's going to become sports fields, uh, such as the quarry, obviously. Um, There's a Brooklyn master plan and Brooklyn's got all sorts of potential um, Mm. for tourism, um, so those those projects are bubbling along and I, I, um, I felt we were going the right direction last term and I wanted to make sure that that direction uh,
0: is followed through. Fantastic. Um, what would you change about politics if you could?
1: Um, I think at our level, uh, I don't like to see party politics. Um, you know, we're there to represent the community. We need to remember to put them first. Uh, you know, and uh, any benefit that comes to uh, the party politics or to the individual is, is well and you know, secondary. Uh, it's, it's the community that we, we're there to represent. So that that's really important that we remember that with all the decisions that we make.
0: Now, you are a family man and we obviously have Eloise in the studio this morning. How do you balance that, uh, the work and the family? Because all, if I go to the number of events I do and I see you know, a, a counsellor or a politician pretty much every one of them. I always, I often wonder, how, how do you balance that home and, and work life?
1: It's difficult. I mean, Eloisa, who's here today, she turns nine this month and I've got another one who's uh, 15. And, you know, their age is where it's important that they, uh, they get the support and attention. And uh, the simple answer to that question is you can't do it alone. Mm. Um, you, you do need uh, uh, the support of, a you know, I've got Giselle uh, a very a very uh, terrific support for me yes. and I, I simply wouldn't be able to do what I do without her support endorsing um, me being on council mm. uh, and she goes over and above. Uh, so that's that's really important. The other way is um, I often, like today, I, I uh, drag a, a daughter or two along to a, an event that I'm going to and it's good for them too. I mean, I think it helps them becoming more civic-minded at, yes. at a key age uh, and see what I do and, and spend time with Dad. So.
0: Eloisa, what did you think when you went in to see Dad at work?
2: Well, like when I came in, uh, I just saw that, like, there was a lot of things, a lot of chords and complicated things yeah. that I couldn't really, like, manage yeah. of doing. So when I usually come in my dad's work, I kind of get bored, but, like, sometimes I enjoy it because sometimes I say no, but he brings me and I enjoy it. Yes. And
0: do you think it's something you like to do when you're older? maybe. Maybe. Do you think that young people are listened to and their ideas kind of can help maybe some of the adults in society look at life in a different way, maybe through your eyes? They could. What? They could maybe listen to uh, this.
1: I, I can tell you where she has influenced me on oh, yeah. decisions. I mean, certainly um, <coughs> when I went around the shire and I went around surrounding shires looking at parks without shades and then some of them in the surrounding areas, like Warunga mm. Park that does have artificial mm. shade, uh, and she would give me her opinion and, you know, it was a really hot day and Wurrunga and Park was a great place to be uh, and there were a lot of kids there. And um, so uh, I think having um, having a daughter that age and making a decision, you know, based on Kids Park, it, it really, really helped me.
0: Um, yeah. How cool is that, Eloisa?
2: It's pretty cool.
0: So you've influenced local politics. Yeah. By, by being one of those con- constituents, like a, a normal person who says, could you please um, help me out in this area? And so you represent thousands of children who now have shade over their playgrounds. Yeah,
2: and I think we should add more girls in council.
0: <gasps> it's just boys. Go Really? I like the sound of that. You go for it. This is the International Women's Day Festival, so we do have to talk about things like so, that. So
1: as you can see, she's not yeah. afraid to give her opinion, which no, is good, I and I that. encourage that, that independence yeah. and that... Um, You know, willingness to challenge the system is great
0: Well we have to and I I talk a lot with um, teenagers who usually get in trouble for giving their opinion but the trouble with that is that they will then not challenge when something really genuinely isn't wrong and that's how we get corruption and people lying so the fact that you can speak up and speak out and you have to be okay with people disagreeing with you but don't ever hold back from speaking up and speaking out, good on you
1: no, she's very good at that.
0: And so Thank you. Yeah, and so we need to work out how to get more women um, to step into politics.
1: Yep, mm. that's absolutely right, isn't it Eloisa? We need to there's lots of good women out there and we need to make sure that they feel comfortable about putting their hand up.
0: I have been catching up with Hornsby Councillor Nathan Tilbury this morning and his daughter Eloisa. Nathan is on the board of the Hornsby Guy Women's Shelter. Um, and very much part of that original, you were part of the original committee, weren't you, the Nathan? The steering committee, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, now, that was, that started when talking about domestic violence wasn't as open as it is now. I can imagine that actually it was quite hard work when you first started.
1: Yeah, the original um, women's shelter was out in Manly and that was the original template. That is now being replicated and, and Hornsby Kuringai um, as an area was selected as the second location. Yes. Um, one, because it was recognised, uh, uh, unfortunately, there is an issue uh, with domestic violence and homelessness um, to, for women in the area. But two, it was also recognised the community was really, really active. And it's important with this sort of thing, the community rallied, you know, rallies behind it uh, and takes ownership of it and delivers it. And um, that was proven to be, to be correct. So a steering committee was formed, of which I was part of, and, um, and it was one day less than a year. We, we launched a steering committee at Hornsby Shire uh, Council Chambers and then uh, um, one day less than a year we launched the opening of the shelter, which was terrific. And in that period of time we had to raise quite a bit of money mm. and, as I said, it was really good that the community rallied behind that. We achieved more than it achieved our goal, in fact, and um, had the doors open uh, very quickly.
0: I am really aware that it takes a combined effort. Now, you know, the Hornsby-Curringar Women's Shelter is all about women who have been abused, the, the vast majority by men, and yet it, that would not have been possible without the coordinated effort of men and women working together to raise those funds to open in under a year because that is what the cost of of opening a home like that uh, and a shelter like that is a vast amount of money, particularly since you can't open it and close it if the funds fail.
1: Yeah, and um, some things, or something a lot of people don't understand is we don't receive any money from the government. So there was no government subsidy. Um, we got a couple of grants from the local councils, the Hornsby mm. uh, Council and the Karingai Council both rallied around. I think they gave $10,000 each mm. towards it. But uh, other than that, there was no government money and uh, still no government money coming right. in towards the, the shelter. And since then... Um the, the network's opened up at Castle Hill um, and in Foster, so it works in the rural area as well. Nepean, yes, uh, Penrith area, is about to open up and they're looking at one at Botany as well. So it's a template that is, um, it's worked um, and it hasn't failed. No, no shelter's closed and it's worked in a variety of, of locations with a variety of communities. And the point you make that it's quite easy to say, well, this is for women and you know, women are going to stand up and... and, and you know, beat the chest about that. But that, that's not going to solve the problem no. and that's not going to deliver the solution. Um, so, uh, as I said, it was the whole community which was, was men and women working together. Um, uh, yes, it's about 50% um, women escaping from the risk of domestic violence or having suffered domestic violence, but the other 50% is um, women at risk of homelessness or homeless, mm. um, and a lot of those um, obviously have some sort of um, uh, had some sort of influence with domestic violence as well. So, look, that's a big part of it. Yeah, and uh, what we've also um, stepped up to doing as well is involve the schools, and that's really important because the kids are the ones that are going to change the culture. Yes, um, so you're right, in the early days, um, domestic violence wasn't the, the flavour of the month as it is now through Rosie Batty and a number of other things. So we really had to um, first of all have the committee recognise there was a problem and then rally behind it and we were quite successful at doing that um, and it's still successful today. I mean, uh, we obviously have to raise a, a substantial amount of money. Yeah. The support from the Women's should Organisation scales down over time, mm. the financial support, so we have to step up and, and do more and more to keep the doors open. And um, the next big challenge for us, Lucy, is that uh, we need what they might call um, transitional housing. Yes. So, so a woman who's com- comes through the system and, and maybe comes through the three months uh, that the shelter provides um, is ready to go out and, and you know maybe she might have a job um, and being independent, but maybe that job doesn't give her enough money to, to live on her own and uh, to receive government support she couldn't share uh, with somebody in the same situation. Um, So we have all sorts of problems there, that next step, which is really important. You know, their self-confidence is back. As I say, they're back on their feet. Um, So transitional housing, where we can still provide a little bit of support and a little bit of helping hand, is really, really important. That's the big goal at the shelter at the moment, to try and get access to some transitional housing opportunities.
0: I love that stepped approach. It's not saying, look, we're just going to do three months great you're fixed you're out it didn't take three months to get into this mess it's not going to take three months to get out of it these are women who who are building confidence to actually trust and work and and get back involved in being in charge of their own lives but to be in that situation way too often they have they have lost um Confidence in in managing finances, so there's some retraining and some um, some support needed and mentoring, I would guess, needed to be able to get women back on their feet. So the 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 transitional housing would give them just breathing space. I, I mean, I I take my hat off because it's got to be sustainable all the way through. You need the crisis accommodation. And you need the transitional accommodation, so we as a community, if we want to be a community that cares for each other, we, we need to actively fundraise for that
1: yeah, that's right, and it 's a full process, and uh, um, as you say, three months is not going to solve everything, and you know if we can still um, have that connection uh, with the woman who's gone through the system and, and uh, um, have that safety net, if you like mm. uh, that's really, really important.
0: Now, also, we we should always look at prevention because the ultimate is that people don't need the women's shelter as much and that you don't have to turn away all the women that it currently does. So um, I know that council run a lot of um, education. So the the, the education for people in general through the library, courses that can um, support finances, wills, um, legal questions, you know, I think I would like to direct people to council to some of the courses that they run for free or heavily subsidised that can offer some education, perhaps, in a way that means that, that hopefully not, so, not, not quite so many women end up needing the crisis accommodation.
1: Yeah, I mean, you need to attack... <laughs> You need to attack uh, the, the root of the problem, and that's where it goes back to schools and and um, uh, and for the kids to really understand that you know it, it's not right um, to to raise your hand to a woman and uh, and that sort of thing. And, and I think that we're having a lot of success with that. Yes. The schools are really rallied behind um, the shelter, and um, and that's where the cultural change is going to going to occur. Mm. Uh, you know, in, in the next generation.
0: And I would call that to be. Both genders, women—you know—the the verbal abuse is just as painful as the physical abuse, and you can be on the receiving end from either genders for that. And um, you know, we do see women who 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 are are severely traumatized by the verbal abuse, and men in the same way.
1: Financial abuse as well. Fin- I mean, of there's, course. There's all sorts of um, abuse. It doesn't have to
2: be. May I uh, just physical? say something? I was yeah. just saying that, like, um, I do Nepple and. Um, um, when I go to Nepal and it's getting pretty dark, I just see that there's no lights, and I'd say, "Why is there no lights?" And because it's getting really dark, and they should put some lights there for Nepal. Well,
1: that, yeah. I, I think that's a nice segue, perhaps, into it um, is. to to uh, uh, I have a role on the Kringai Nepal Association and. Uh, uh, at Canoon Road, which is the main location, and I know Eloisa specifically wanted to talk about this today. Uh, the main location for netball in Karingai, um, in the netball associations from Newcastle to Canberra, um, Karingai is the only location does not have lights. Right. Um, and uh, we've been we've been fighting. The netballers have been fighting to to get lights in there, and we're finally making some progress. But I think the point that Eloisa was making. She was talking in the car about this. Is that um, the attention that uh, male sports get from um, councils. Uh, and I think if you're spending a dollar on sport at a council, I, I think uh, the numbers at Hornsby are about 12 or 14 cents of that goes to female sport. It, it's, wow. re- it's ridiculous. Um, and we're one of the better councils. Yeah,
0: so, yeah, um, I can imagine.
1: So there's still a lot of in- inequality out there right across society, whether it yeah. be uh, sport uh, or. You know, verbal yeah, and physical and, there's and financial abuse.
2: Yeah, tickets that they give to these schools. So, like, when you go to Coles and you buy something, they give, they offer you tickets. Yeah, for the sport things.
0: So, like, you can choose which school.
1: Oh, you mean for charity?
0: Yeah, the, yeah. the school for the school for sports, isn't it, or sports for schools? And it's it, yeah, it's a big big promotion that they're doing. That focus on you know bringing some e- equity. You know, making it fair. Well, yeah. first
1: recognising there's a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and Karin, guys, they say, they don't have lights. They've got lights at I think it's 44 of their uh, soccer fields yeah. and rugby fields and the training happens mm. there. But for netball, the female um, sport, mm. they, d- they don't have lights. And uh, to be fair, I, I think uh, they're at a point now that... Um, um, they do recognise that and change is coming. So that's really good. It's, just going to be <laughs> yeah. a, long it's a bit time awkward
0: coming. when you suddenly look and go, yeah, in black and white, it doesn't look so good, does yeah, it? We might need good. to do something about that. I think we should, like, like when uh, I put the
2: tickets for my school, like, m- my school should get sp- better at sports, new sportsville or something. Yeah. Because, like, if my tennis court or my um, sports field is getting really old and... People can't really run in it anymore because it's just not enough money to go around. Yeah, they're just like trooping over it because, like, I have fake grass on. Yes, it's a good
0: fake grass space, though, that isn't it? But it's changed.
2: Yeah.
1: So you can see Eloisa is is quite in tune with, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, the problems about everything can't just be funded from government, it has to come from somewhere. It's really good to see. Well done, Eloisa. Yeah,
0: I can hear that maybe there may be a -a Netballathon to come. Oh, a fundraiser. A fundraiser. How long can you play netball for, get sponsored and put that money into a pot that might be able to help you as an organisation contribute to the lights. And so you get everybody to join in. Um, You might even be able to get people from out of area to to join in so that they could learn from your model and see if they could replicate it in their area. Yeah,
2: so I'm staying netball at the end of March so um, I'm expecting to see, like, different people in my team, mm. but at least, like, some people that I know. Yeah, it's nice. To, it's a
0: nice way to meet different people and having people outside your own circle of yeah. friends and your own school groups. Because so a lot
2: of the people that play netball um, uh, go from my school. And, like, when I went to netball training, we had these games so they can choose... Where to put you in teams. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I went there. It was, like, one of these high schools that go to kindy. It was a really big, good school. had a lot of sport things. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there was sand volleyball.
0: Like, oh, volleyball! Really? Exercise yeah. is very important, is it? It makes you feel quite good in your head when you can use your body. Yeah, and there
3: wasn't fake grass. There was a whole.
1: Whoa So they, they had better sporting facilities, and yeah. you'd like to see your school get that, those sporting yeah. facilities—real
0: yeah. grass, not fake grass. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, real grass doesn't hurt when you fall over on it quite as much yeah. as fake grass yeah. does, does it? Really? Yeah.
1: It, it just look on the point that Louisa, I guess, is making. If you go back fifty years, there was no sport. No. Um, for, for girls, for women. Um, wow. Uh, I think a lot of the netball clubs are coming up to the 50th anniversary and that's really the first sport. And then today you've got hockey, but also I think things are changing today because there's a lot of uh, girls participating in sort of traditional male sports, such mm-hmm. as your soccer yeah. and your cricket, and those numbers are, are really growing. And and, and I think that, that's changing the culture, which is terrific. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, when I talk about 14 cents in, in the dollar, of course, you um, um, those sports where most of the money goes to, as I say, women are participating yeah. more and more. And but, like, some boys actually
0: mm. play netball. Some boys actually play netball. And boys netball. are playing Yeah, Yeah, sport, my daughter plays with boys. They've got a, a mixed team.
2: Yeah, and um, I saw when my mum... I had to go to my mum because my dad had a meeting. So... Um,
0: uh, it happens.
2: Yeah. Um, I saw the next group over there. There were... Are loads of boys, and there are a few girls playing. Is
1: that a good thing, a do you mixture? think? To start yeah. playing netball?
2: Yeah, it's alright.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, but like, you know, the usual skirts that they wear. Did the boys not like... wear skirts? No, they wear shorts.
0: Oh, oh. These, that's those good. Shorts. Do you think we should have equity and have the boys in skirts as well? Alright. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe for the netball a thon. Okay, <laughs> maybe just for to that. To raise money. To Cinderella. raise money. Yeah. Yeah. All right, listen, thank you so much. You've been amazing. It's been lovely to have you both in the studio with me today. So it's been really good. Do you want to say a quick shout-out to Mum and your sister?
2: <laughs> I don't feel like it. But...
0: <laughs> but I'll, I'll say, anyway.
1: good morning, Giselle and Eloisa. Um, I hope you uh, have a nice morning and um, we'll be there soon.
0: Yeah. We're jumping straight into the next section of our show. I have got janelle mcintosh in the studio with me welcome janelle
4: thank
0: you welcome now janelle you have been involved in politics and community groups i'm gonna add community groups in there because i'm not entirely sure it says on your bio for 29 years that doesn't seem possible
4: it is possible thank you that's nice of you to say first thing on a
0: sunday morning wow now you're a big supporter of the arts and we'll hear more about that because i i love that combination and i love someone championing the arts the arts are a passion for me very much my upbringing um and you have already been on council from 2004 to 2008. I have. And you even ran for mayor. I did. Good on you. <laughs> I love the fact that you stood up and did that. Now, but I would love to um, maybe go back a little bit and ask where your passion for politics started and how you first got into it. I think it's a passion for community service, actually.
4: Oh, nice. Uh, I think that's where it really comes from. Mm. And, I, and I think most... Counselors have some kind of connection to a community organisation or to a community cause or to an issue. Uh, it it could be sport, it could be arts, it could be economic development, it could be local business. It, you know, it could be a range of things, uh, and I think for many people that's what drives them to run for local office Mm. at a local council level, and it it drives them to try and make a difference. And for me, I've had a long career in local government and in community organisations, and to me those things cross over very, very neatly. Mm. So that's as an officer... Uh, and so it seemed almost a natural progression uh, sitting on the officer's side of the bench to think, wow, I might be able to make a difference on the other side of the bench. So in my first term on council, I juggled being an officer at the City of Canterbury, a senior officer, uh, and being an elected councillor here in Hornsby. And that was that was wonderful, really. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm still very connected to local councils, and I do some consulting work for them. And mm. you know, so I have those those ongoing connections. Um, and as you say, yes, 30 years this year, uh, I started in in a local council. Wow, and they're
0: week. very important skills because um, sometimes I would, I would suspect that when you first join council, when you're first elected, some of those processes are alien and you have to learn so many of them whereas you would have jumped right in and been effective pretty much immediately absolutely and
4: look I'm sure that I drive some of my colleagues and I'm sure I drive some of the council staff to death um because obviously I'm coming to the table with here's a policy and some of the policies we're talking about in Hornsby I've written in another council wow you know I've been engaged at that level yes um And I I do a lot of work writing policy. It's part Mm. of my job. But, um, you know, those kind of things, to have that experience, I feel incredibly lucky um, to be able to come to the table with that experience and just to to be part of a dialogue. But I think equally it's important to hear what the new person has to say Mm. because I don't think anyone wants to hear, oh, well, this is the way we've done it before Mm. or this is what somebody else has done mm. what they want to hear is how can we make that unique and appropriate for hornsby
0: mm. because it is you are representing Absolutely. the local community nathan said it was really important to to try and leave politics out of it because you are representing community even though it's it's great to declare you know what your what your allegiance is because then you're not you're living transparently you're not trying to hide what comes from your heart? Absolutely.
4: Uh, I mean, I'm a card carrying member of the Labour Party and yeah. proud to be so yeah. um, for a couple of decades. And um, I, I represent um, a particular cause. I represent a particular set of issues and a response to public life in Australia. Mm. And people want to hear that. Yeah. So I think that transparency is really vital.
0: Now, my perception of politics is obviously flavored a lot by what we see what we see on uh, television and in the news and what we hear when they broadcast question time which mm. i seriously wish they wouldn't because i think it's a very ugly side mm. um it it seems like there's so much humour and um and champion of sarcasm and belittling and there's a real lack of decency and respect and the old values that go around debating which i think really stops a lot of people who have a genuine interest in community and wanting to engender change going into it. So how has that sat in your body? How have you coped with that sometimes bear baiting Atmosphere. It
4: can be hard. There's yeah. no question, and I think it's actually important to say that it can be hard. Mm. Um, I don't think it's it helps anybody considering a career in politics, whether they be male, female, or somebody from a non English speaking background. Mm. Um, you know, I think we need every representation on politics, and I think the the most important way to do that is is to have. A whole community represented on our council bench. Yes, it's not just about male and female. No. It's about all the cultures that represent our community, and it's also about all the ages that represent our community. Yes, and that's really important. I mean, we have quite a good age spread on council at the moment, um, and I think it's Im- it's important to maintain that. Um, is it tough? Yes, it is tough. Um, and there are some days when you go home and you're upset and you're angry and you know, you're know you not getting your point across mm. and you're not being heard and there is, there is bullying and intimidation and belittling and I don't think it does help to have these things broadcast. I mean, these last couple of weeks with the Barnaby Joyce saga and this week with the Michaelia Cash saga uh, is one thing after another. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that what is broadcast on, on television and various other media is question time and Senate estimates, mm. uh, two uh, almost arenas that are open to that kind of baiting. But what's not shown is the long hours spent nutting out policies behind closed doors. That's, that's not in the public realm, and I guess it really can't be. But it's a shame because what they don't see is people from both sides of politics and all political parties coming to agreement on things. And that's where local councils are very different. I mean, you you might campaign uh, all through an election cycle um, on your particular issues, but that day you're elected, you walk into a room and there's ten of you sitting around the table, nine councillors and a mayor in Hornsby, and we have to come together as a team. Mm -hmm. So all the grand comments that people make about I achieved this and I achieved that. If people really dig into that they realise that it's a team. It's a team decision. It's there's no I in local councils really. It's about working together as a team.
0: And it's it's laying the foundations for the future, isn't it? Absolutely. That you, you can't be about what you can get because actually by the time you get it in place, you actually don't need that. It, it is about the future and about laying those foundations. It is.
4: And it's about putting things on the table, um, ideas, sharing ideas and initiatives and taking your fellow counsellors with you and then taking the community with you. Mm. Because, you know, they're the ones who put you there and they're the ones, for me every, anyway, they're always talking to me every day. I'm getting contact from people saying, how can we do something about this? You know, mm-hmm. this is
0: an issue. Can we do this differently? It's about bringing them with you and taking that forward. Because you can't be expected to see everything and anything that's going on. You need the community to come to Absolutely. you with their, their issues. Uh, I would say to the community, rather than bombard Janelle's inbox on Monday, <laughs> um, look and see what difference you can be in your community and how you can come to Janelle with some potential solutions With a, and, and be prepared to hear the greater understanding of why maybe some of those solutions might not work or what's been tried before so that everybody is taking responsibility for their part in in it because otherwise we dump on our politicians just as as we dump on the health service and say fix it fix me which is an irresponsible way to live really. It is and I look I'm a really strong believer in responsible
4: democracy. Responsible democracy is about being part of a process and acknowledging your part in that process. We're very lucky to live in this country that has, uh, you know, a range of options for people to be involved. Mm. And I encourage people. In fact, I have a handful of people who work with me constantly on particular issues. And, you know, one of them is in, involved in sustainability. Another one is involved in women's issues. Another one, in fact, comes from multicultural background and is, mm. is trying to support local business owners from another country yeah. to try and help them. And they're working with me one-to-one and mm. we're making some things happen. So and that's really important. Yeah.
0: It's so important because it's a very difficult area, the LGBTIQ mm. and, and that Absolutely. multicultural area. When they come, particularly the, the multicultural, when they come to this country and they have had very good jobs in their home country but have been forced to leave, mm. then they, they really want to provide for their family. I know many of them, but they physically can't because the moment, you know, their, their job... They, they just, just don't have, have the same respect challenge. because of the they, language they barrier. They don't. And and they're,
4: they're coming, I mean, the ones that I've met and, and there have been hundreds over the years, are mm. uh, coming to the table with PhDs, with master's degrees, yep. with higher education yep. in all of their chosen fields. But again, as you say, it's because of the language barrier. And that's what, you know, the cold communities, the culturally yes. and linguistically diverse communities face every day. Is that lack of recognition of their experience and their qualifications, yeah. and you know they have to go into bat uh, against you know articulate Australian yes. Um, yes. speakers, and and it's really it's really challenging, it is. and you know to see them uh, to try and make make something
0: of their business ideas, yeah. um, it's really important. And of course, it's not just them because they have children, and if we if Absolutely. we actually don't have them having the the foundation in their childhood that they need we have a whole different um, set of concerns mm. and their outcomes are, are seriously in question now how would you encourage other this is the big question how would you encourage other women or women to get involved in politics well i i think it
4: has to be that we're Look at our whole system, the way councils operate. If he's talking about getting involved at a local level, yes, so that level. you know it is more palatable for our whole community. I actually have some problems with, you know, sort of patronising encouragement of women. I find that really just really, to get the numbers. I really have yeah. some issues with that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I I hear a lot of people, men and women, you know, saying we've got to encourage women into politics. Well, we've got to we've got to in fact create the environment mm-hmm. where women are engaged actively in public life. Mm-hmm. And if our public life is not working for them, if the timing of meetings and all those sorts of things are a problem, then I think we've got to have a look at why we're not getting the engagement. Yes. You know, it's like having a public meeting at 4.30 in the afternoon and wondering why the public don't turn up. Yes. Well, I wonder School, why, I wonder why time, they don't turn up. Maybe
0: a bit of work. Absolutely. Reasons.
4: So I think it's about taking a bit of a step back and having a look at our systems and processes yes. and seeing how we can get the engagement of our whole community Mm. in our political processes, Mm. in our consultations and engagement. And I think if we had a highly engaged consultative council, we would find that come the next election, we would be having a whole range of people putting their hands up, wanting to be part of the dialogue and seeing a way where they can be involved and where they can make a difference and have their voice heard.
0: And hopefully not making it personal um, jibes and digging and uh, character assassination in the attempt to get? Absolutely not. I mean, I, th- I think people need to be able to
4: articulate their particular passions and yes. their position without denigrating the person sitting next to them, yeah. without, without denigrating the ideas and the experiences of others. Yes. And it be about welcoming what's come before and welcoming what's coming ahead so that we can work together but I really stress it's about a team and I think that's
0: the really critical thing I love it. Um, now, how do you look after yourself to make sure that you're able to do all that you do, which is an enormous amount, and, and care as much as you do for all of these communities who, that are incredibly vulnerable? Well,
4: I feel incredibly lucky. My family is very close. I'm, I'm married and I have a seven year old son. So I get to have him involved, as Nathan and Eloise yeah. were this morning. I get to have him involved in that process. He loves the idea that I'm a local representative, that I ran for mayor, um, that I'm part of the council. I'm president of the PNC, so I get to embarrass him on a regular basis at school, which is fantastic. So that's great. My mum and dad are right next door. So we've got like a family compound, which is divine. Yeah. Uh, But I also have this, I have a great series of things I do, I guess. I'm involved with the Hornsby Arts Society. I've been president there since 2010. It's a great group of people there who are creative and I get to explore my creative side and try and fit that in but my work is as a consultant so I work with not-for-profit organisations and I do a bit of work both in Sydney and also in regional New South Wales. So I get to work with some amazing people who are passionate about what they're doing and then I get to come back to Hornsby and I get to talk to people here in community organisations and in particular groups, precinct groups and family groups who are wanting to change what we've got here in Hornsby, wanting to improve, wanting to make a difference. So that whole package of things is a pretty nice place to be. Got it is. To say. You feel fulfilled. You I feel do. Feel like there you, are days yeah. when it feels over, overflowing. Yes. Um, certainly, but, yeah. uh, I actually, f- I feel very highly fulfilled now, and I feel like I've got lots of support and I get lots of encouragement and motivation,
0: which is great from all kinds of sources. Well, you certainly inspired me, Janelle, and thank you so thank much you. for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you again outside the Business Forum where yes. I met you first and some of the other events. And thank you. We hope that you'll come to some of the International Women's Day Festival. Thank you very much for sending it, uh, sharing it on your Facebook page. Thanks,
4: Lucy. Have a lovely weekend, everybody.
0: Thank you. Stay in the loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. So far, we've heard from two really inspiring Hornsby councillors um, and one potentially um upcoming Hornsby councillor. counselor so we had nathan tilbury we had eloisa tilbury we had janelle mcintosh it's um it's not easy to put your hand up and be part of the change we want to see and we forget that these people are dedicated to supporting the local community where there sometimes or very rarely doesn't seem to be much room for personal gain and neither of those had uh, were in it for for that it was really inspiring to see that now we're going to change the topic quite considerably now We're heading to Mount Kosciuszko to catch up with Steve Plain. Now, you you may remember Steve from our Rotary show a little while back. He was midway through a record-breaking challenge to climb the seven highest peaks in four months. Now, this uh, is on the back of a broken neck and a very questionable future a few years back. So Steve's story is well worth listening to if you haven't listened to it before. But Steve as I'm learning in true Steve's style, decided to throw in an extra peak of Mount Kosciuszko where he supported kids in wheelchairs experience something they may not otherwise have had a chance to do. Welcome, Steve.
3: Hello, Lucy. How are you? I'm very well. So uh, we uh, had the Kosciuszko uh, Summit Wheelchair Challenge yesterday with Rotary, which was an amazing day. And this morning, a uh, nice, relaxing uh, morning back down in Jindabyne.
0: Ah, oh, beautiful! And it was a combined effort between the Rotary clubs of Taramara and Kūma that got this project off the ground. With you, isn't it?
3: That's right. Yes, and it was um, all with, done with a uh, pretty short lead time as well. So, it was a massive effort from both the Tararua Rotary Club and Kūma Rotary Club to organise such an amazing weekend and amazing event in a uh, in pretty short time.
0: How many children actually went up with you?
3: We had uh, yesterday. There was about there was six uh, wheelchair participants. And about 100 people in total with other volunteers helping and assisting uh, to push and pull the uh, kids in wheelchairs up and other people just coming along for the walk as well. So it was really incredible to have um, pretty well everyone uh, all got up to the top of Kosciuszko yesterday at about 11.30 a.m. Uh, so it's pretty incredible to have everyone up there and it was an amazing day.
0: I bet there were some amazing pictures and some great comments from people about how they felt getting that opportunity.
3: Absolutely, yes. And we had a, uh, at the end of that uh, last night, had a function back in Ginderbine here and uh, we're all able to share stories and hear how everyone enjoyed the day. And um, it was really nice to just hear from the kids themselves, uh, the kids in wheelchairs, uh, how much it meant to them to be able to get out and um, see the snowy mountains and enjoy the outdoors like that. And something which is uh, otherwise a little bit difficult for them uh, ordinarily
0: does this touch home for you in the sense that a couple of years back when you broke your neck they didn't really think that you would be walking again and yet you are and it's through your perseverance and and some um you're, you're giving your body time to rest and recuperate that you're able to do what you're what you're doing so how is it when you when you um can give back in this way
3: i think yeah for me and i was um I'm very, very lucky and for the early days there it was, uh, uh, it was quite questionable and um, I think having actually been in that position of lying in a hospital bed and uh, potentially facing um, a very uncertain future at that stage, it does make you think. And So i definitely sort definitely of have a much greater appreciation for what um, for the people that are in the wheelchairs these days and the work we're trying to do yesterday was trying to raise awareness for and funds for spinal cure um, who are a Sydney-based organisation doing some amazing work to try and find a cure for paralysis and uh, through that trying to actually get people out of wheelchairs and walking again. So if, um, if that, that can come through and we can help towards that, that would be absolutely incredible.
0: We're actually going to have a conversation with the people from Spinal Cure in a couple of weeks' time because um, I'm very interested in, in how they're working it and it's, it, is, it would change so many people's lives to be able to work on what that cure would look like.
3: Oh, it would be absolutely We actually had uh spinal cure down here yesterday and I listened to them speak last night and uh for them and uh one one comment actually made was one girl who is uh a quadriplegic said even if the research they're doing could get her to a point where she can get function in her arms, just simply be able to make a cup of tea would be mean the world to her. Mm. So Those the smallest sort little of things like that which uh can make such a big difference to the um to the quality of the life of the um of these people
0: yeah we, we take um so much for granted when we you know when we have all of our our arms and legs and they respond to what we ask them to do immediately we underestimate um the the gift that we're given actually or we don't maybe nurture it quite as as openly as we should
3: absolutely yeah with the um sort of the work we're doing with sparker and cf Probably it's uh, the mountaineering aspect of what I'm doing with my project is very, very different to them. So I think mm. um, it's, a very, it's a different aspect and something which they wouldn't ordinarily uh, get to see. So it's a privilege to be able to also share my journey with them, and um, it is incredible the support and uh, the support and well wish I'm getting from people who are actually following along and and uh, joining in on the journey.
0: And, of course, it's all about fundraising. So I have put a link, or I will put a link to your website and the fundraising page on our website at the end. How is your speed record going?
3: So far, Touchwood, it's going incredibly well. So we actually, I started on January 7th is when I left Sydney and flew straight across to South America and straight down to Antarctica. So the first climb was uh, in Antarctica, Mount Vincent. And I guess just for listeners who've maybe not heard the previous, uh, the previous recording we did, uh, what I'm trying to achieve is the seven summits in under four months, and the seven summits being the highest mountain on each of the seven continents. Mm. Um, so from Antarctica, I went straight to South America and climbed back in From there, I went straight to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro. Uh, last week, we were crossing West Papua in Indonesia and climbed Karstens Pyramid, the highest in Australasia. And uh, now just back down and done Kosciuszko in Australia. Extraordinary. So that's a bit over halfway now.
0: Wow. So what's left?
3: Left, uh, we've got this uh, Wednesday, so a couple of days' time, fly out for Russia. Uh, where we'll climb El Bruce, the highest in Europe. Uh, from there, we'll head straight across to Dena- Alaska to climb Denali, the highest in North America. And then in mid-April, um, if that all goes well, we'll be heading back down to Nepal to attend uh, Everest.
0: Wow. Have there been any unforeseen challenges, Steve?
3: Um, so far, thankfully, there hasn't been too much. There's always challenges along the way, and I think one of the biggest when people hear about uh, what I'm doing, automatically think about the challenges that climb uh, some of the biggest challenges have actually been also logistical, and just the amount of travel and um, travel jet lag times in and out of airports and things is also very, very demanding mm. um, so trying to actually look after yourself and recover and recuperate between clients when you're uh, doing long international flights as well has been um, been quite difficult.
0: Yeah, and um, our, we're right in the middle of International, uh, or Hornsby, Kuringai International Women's Day Festival, and, and our hashtag is love me first. So what you're sharing here is that, you know, you have to actually uh, prioritise nurturing and self-nurturing in order to do what you're doing, and that, you know, that that's, you can't... You can't do what you're doing without, as you say, looking after yourself when you've got jet lag, um, you know, finding the right accommodation, actually making sure you sleep and you eat well.
3: That's right, yeah. And we've got very little time between each climb um, before we're backing up and traveling and going straight to the next one. So trying to actually make sure we are recovering. You know, there's a lot of little things you can do to try and uh, just help improve and keep on top of uh, keep on top of your health and fitness while traveling. So... Mm. Uh, trying to manage all that while we're going is um, it's difficult, but so far it's been going incredibly well.
0: Now, I did hear from your blog that you had a bit of... Oh, I don't know how to say this. You were a little bit um, impatient. You were ahead of time. You wondered what to do. So you decided to go off and climb yet another mountain, Steve.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in South America, and uh, we got up back in Kagawa, uh quicker than anticipated and had some spare time, so we thought we'd try back in be in the highest. In South America, we thought we'd try the second highest as well, which is across <laughs> in Chile. So uh, we flew across there, and that's normally about a 10-day, 10 10 to 10-12-day expedition. We yeah. were trying to do it in about two days. We had spare. Oh. And uh, it was should have been okay, but um, it's in the middle of the Atacama Desert and uh, rises up to almost 7,000 metres. And as we were going in, the weather forecast, we were predicting two to three feet of snow, <gasps> which um, we... Thought, we we questioned whether the weather forecast was right and we thought we'd uh, try our luck regardless and head up. But um, the weather forecast was right, so we got stuck <laughs> with a lot of snow and um, ended up having quite a journey trying to get back out with getting cars bogged and stuck in four-wheel drive tracks, which we couldn't find a track and all sorts of things. So oh, that was, my um, goodness. That was good fun, but yeah, thankfully it was on an unplanned. It was just on a side trip, but not crucial to the uh, main project.
0: Although the flight you were about to miss as a result of getting bogged in was a bit serious.
3: It was, yes, so we were were very, very close to missing up light across to uh, Africa, so that would have been been detrimental to the project, but uh, thankfully it all came through okay.
0: It does make me laugh, and I am ever so slightly concerned that you'll find life without a mountain very dull, so I I do think that as a career you should consider life beyond this as something to do with mountains, because to deny it clearly is just not going to work for you.
3: No, I think that's um, something I haven't sort of thought about too much. But I know um, having such, having been a long build up to uh, this project, it's been many years of training and uh, expeditions trying to build up to this project, and uh, having this as a uh, main goal. I uh, know it will be a bit of a challenge uh, at the end of it, actually just coming back home and getting back to ordinary life again.
0: Yeah. Now, look, how can we follow? Let's have some plugs on, you know, some of the charities that you're raising money for, how people can follow your blog, and um, we'll hopefully do a little bit of plug for you coming into the studio when you're back.
3: <laughs> That'll be fantastic. So the charities are raising awareness and funds for is Surf Saving Western Australia. So I actually volunteers to Life Savers to pull me out of the border uh, the morning of my accident and Spinal Cure Australia. So you can follow through my website, which is project7in4.com. That's the number seven and number four. And on that website there, there's live tracking. So I've got a uh, GPS satellite device with me, which uh, plots my position in real time, so people can follow along as I actually progress on all the climbs. And there's also a link there to the donation portal.
0: So we can be armchair explorers.
3: You can indeed, and it's actually uh, it's been interesting down here this weekend. And the number of supporters who say every morning the first thing they do is wake up and jump on my website to see where I'm actually where I got to overnight and uh, following me throughout the day. So that uh, that's been amazing to know that people can actually join in and uh, and are interested in following as I'm actually going along. That is
0: very cool. I thought they only did that about Santa Claus. <laughs> 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 You're right up there, Steve. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, not sure about
0: Santa Claus, but <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I'm very pleased you're well, very pleased you're healthy and looking after yourself. Uh, thank you very much for supporting the uh, Rotary Club of Taramara and Kumo, and um, for taking those those young people up in their wheelchairs and to all the unseen and un, unspoken about volunteers. You said there were about a hundred of them who actually pushed and pulled to ensure that we could make their dreams come true.
3: Yeah, that's right. So a quick plug for that also is behind, in addition to Rotary, uh, behind them the SES um, Volunteer State Emergency Service got involved and the Rural Fire Service got involved as well. So um, all the support from all those people to make yesterday a, a complete success was absolutely amazing.
0: Well, big shout-out to all of them because, as we say, without you, there are always people who do lead organisation roles and it's very important we appreciate them. But the, uh, the hardened graft stuff, yeah... Always, always unsung heroes, so big thanks out to them. Well done. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve.
3: Thank you very much, Lucy. It's been a pleasure and hopefully we can come into the studio when we're back in, uh, in May.
0: There is no way you're going to get away with not because somehow we're going to have to make this an all-seeing, you know, we're going to have to try and create a visual out of an audio recording. So I don't know how, maybe we'll have to do some Facebook Live just to try and do something with that.
3: I'm sure we can manage that.
0: All right. Take care, Steve. Safe travels. Thank you
3: very much. Have a nice day. Thank
0: you. Bye. Bye. So there we go. Oh, what an opportunity to um, to catch up with Steve live. Every, every other time we've had to do it on on um, on devices like you know through word of mouth or through Facebook or interviews, um, record pre recorded interviews. But lovely to hear about something the next day. You know, I think we got in with a first there. Triple H with a a breaking story. The amazing Steve Plain working with the RFS, the, SF, uh, the SES, the um, two rotary clubs and just the number of people that helped get six young people in wheelchairs to do um, to feel the wind on their face at the top of a mountain. Amazing. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. What a show it has been really um varied but i've i've loved the discussions i always thought i really could never contemplate local politics but i'm really inspired by those two and i feel we're in very good hands we'll have to do something similar for karingai council as well but um big thank you to both nathan and janelle who said yes from um hornsby council to to us this day and we were able to celebrate international women's day festival with and through them Um, i will have links to all of those for for the magnificent men and other any other events on the website when we're finished Um, our show today has been about people really hasn't it about people who dedicate themselves to representing others to challenging themselves in the way that we may not Um, and to hearing their stories, Steve Plain being one of them, challenging, you know, thanks to or uh, as a result of something that happened to him in his life, really giving something back, saying thank you to the people that saved him in the water that meant that he actually now potentially can walk uh, because the way they looked after him in the water meant that the damage to his neck was minimised. And spinal cure Australia who are constantly looking to give some um, meaning some uh, change to the people who for example the quadrupedic girl who just would like quite like to make a cup of tea for herself this afternoon we're going to be at event cinemas in Hornsby to progress the conversation about the importance of self care in our lives the importance of loving ourselves first so we can know what it is to care and love another. We can't give um, from an empty glass of water. If we do, or if we give what's left in the little glass of water before we're completely dried out, we're, we're resenting anything that we're offering. And on an aeroplane... Those masks come down. They say, put them on you before you help anyone else. We have to put this mask on ourselves and we have to say it's time to love ourselves first so that we can then sustain the work that we're called to do. We would love you to join us. There's plenty of space. We've had some really great bookings. We've had lots of people say they're going to come on and uh, sign up on the day and join in on the day. It's at Event Cinemas and we have to say thank you to Event Cinemas who are supplying the tea and coffee. And they deeply support the International Women's Day Festival as as well as a lot of other community groups. And there are a lot of businesses like Event Cinemas who don't get enough attention for doing that. So big thank you to them and shout out to them. Um, Turn up and pay on the door. It's $15. Everybody is welcome. We've got a guest speaker in the form of Natalie Ward, who is a member of of the Upper House. And we've got Anne Kenyon, Laura Lloyd, and Joanne Moffat who are on our panel where they're each going to share a story alongside myself about why they have found it important in their lives to love themselves first. And then we're going to open up and have a discussion with people from the floor so that it becomes all of our forum, not just you being spoken to and spoken at, but really a conversation. So we can all inspire each other to really not feel guilty for looking after yourself when actually that is the core of responsibility to look after yourself so that you can take yourself out into the world and into your life and be a committed, engaged person. Check out the website for the many other events that are happening next week. You will find um, so many. Really, we kick off on Monday with the bulk of the of the events. We've got Mums and Bubs Love Me First groups every day through the PCYC. And we have got um, a youth group. So there's a party from four till six at the um, Gordon Youth Centre. There's a Parenting Teens, The Mother's Perspective, after that at 6 30 to 8 p.m that i mean there's plenty of space in that i would highly encourage it it's it's a quite it can be quite a challenge and it's really great to get together as mothers um, or as women who have teenagers in their lives to talk about um, how we can best support ourselves and them best tuesday morning we've obviously got the magnificent men horns guy women's um, shelter At Event Cinemas, we've got more mums and bubs groups. And we've got the Chamber of Commerce After Hours meeting at 6 o'clock. All of the details for that are on the website. Wednesday, we kick off with probably our biggest day, We've got the Rotary Club of Wurunga Breakfast Meeting, which is an open meeting. You can come and see what happens at a Rotary breakfast or at a Rotary meeting. That's at the PCYC and that starts at 7.15. It's worth getting in touch to let them know you're coming because for catering purposes, we need to make sure that we have enough, enough food. Um, you can go to the Fusion, to the Toy Library and and have the, um, celebrate their International Women's Day there. That's at 9.30. Um, we've got um, an... A um, a play. I mean, it just goes all the different topics and activities expands. There's a play uh, that from the Pimble players, the blonde, the brunette, and the vengeful redhead. Uh, that is also a Rotary Club of Wurunga fundraiser. So really, um, head down there. Make sure you book because otherwise um, there are there's a queue of tickets. Um, and then North Shore Mums, I'll be at the doing the juggle without the struggle. At the St Ives um, shopping centre, that's at seven thirty, and check the website out for um, for your information on that um, Thursday, which is actually International Women's Day. We've got um, women multitasking in biz bris- uh, in business. That's at the Blue Star Cafe again. PCYC being a staunch supporter of this festival. We've got the restoring community International Women's Day breakfast after that. So first one, 7.30 to 9.30. Slip away in the middle to go to Cafe Patina for an 8.30 breakfast. And then you can head over to the Mums and Bubs group back at the BCYC to relax. I'm sure there are lots of other events going on around Hornsby and Kuringai. Those are the ones that we've got so far. And then, last but not least, head over to the Hornsby Mall on Friday, the um, 9th of March, for our festival finale, where we have close to 30 stalls. Um, all of them with a focus on women. All of them have been asked to have something for women to do that does not involve um, purchasing or sales. So give it a go. See what see what's going on. Um, we would love to see you there. We're going to have the outside broadcast there. You'll be able to get yourself on radio. Um, we're going to be uh, out and about giving away if you buy a raffle ticket ten dollars worth of raffle tickets we've got a little goodie bag to give you so many options we'd love to see you there come down and and say say hi and support us we would really appreciate the company your company you've been listening to triple h 100.1 fm and stay in the loop with lucy next week's show um, sees the end of our international women's day festival in Hornsby and Guy, and we'll have a recap and we'll play some of the sound bites from our week long of events. Remember that regardless of what has or is happening to you in your life you are and always will be you and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect with that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body is trying to tell you something's not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service be that mental or physical health to build the tools to address what you do not yet feel equipped to manage. Look for support in the community. It is there. We just need to learn how to open up to that support and trust again. Don't wait for life to come to you. Take yourself to life and be the change you want to see. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud and on iTunes, podcast or wherever you listen to um, your podcasts. Make sure you leave a review. And if you want to get updates, then like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page. Links to all of those spaces are available from the Triple H homepage. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you. Connect with the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.